That's how you get ready to hear the word of God. Good morning, church. How you doing this morning? Let's go. Wow, it is so exciting to be with you here this morning. Uh, such an incredible service. I mean, man, I bring you greetings from Sacramento, but you already know that. I mean, to be here at the NorCal Worship Service, that's amazing. Uh, I'm just so grateful and honored to be able to preach the word to you this morning. And uh, it's been an incredible time. I want to thank the Caceres for leading us in communion this morning. Thank you for sharing your heart, guys. And the Pavones right there for inspiring us to give back to God. Amen. But I do want to thank Jason and Sarah, our dear, dear friends. I uh, love you guys so much, just for your leadership, your partnership, and your friendship. Uh, you have incredible leaders of your church, amen? Uh, love the Starcodiers, the Chavezes, and the Clarks. Uh, an incredible church. You have an awesome church here, San Francisco. And uh, God is moving in a great way. I mean, it's exciting to see that the church is going to plant the great church in Indianapolis, Indiana. I mean, man, I mean, just to see what God is doing all over the world. True religion is not only happening here in the United States, but all over the world. And that's what we're fighting for. True religion. And uh, I want to talk about that this morning. But we're not here this morning just to be religious but righteous and give all our heart to God. And we don't believe that's just a message here for us in the United States, but it's a message that God put on our hearts to go to the whole world. Are you with me? And uh, I want to share with you, we're going to spend some time in the book of Mark. Turn me to chapter 7 if you could. And uh, I want to share a lesson here, some things that I've learned. I, I just got done reading the book of Mark. And uh, just share with you a couple of things that stuck out to me as I was spending my time with the Lord. Amen. But here in the scriptures leading up to this in Mark chapter 5, we know this is where Jesus heals the demoniac legion who had a legion of demons. In the very next chapter in Mark chapter 6, he goes back home. It was summertime vacation for him. Jesus goes home and... There he is. He can't do a whole lot of miracles. Even his guys can't really do any miracles. And he was surprised at their lack of faith. But Jesus, being the incredible leader that he is, gets it going himself. And then he calls the 12 to get it going. Then miracles start happening. Later on in that chapter is where he continues to keep pushing him. And he, he, he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. That's pretty awesome right there. An incredible miracle. But there, after he's done with that, after he's done walking on water as well and blowing his guys away and pushing them hard, he goes to the east side. He goes to the east side, the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and that's where we find him there in Mark chapter 7. He's in the east bay of the Sea of Galilee. So I thought it'd be fitting since we're in the east bay. East bay, you with me? We'll see what, what is Jesus doing on the east side to inspire us to bring true religion to all nations. And that's today's lesson title. True religion for all nations. You guys there with me in Mark chapter 7? 
All right, let's read the Bible here. The Bible says the Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. Some of the disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that has been washed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Ouch. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And you let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continues, and you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. Wow. Here he is. He's on the east side. And here we find this woman. The Bible says that there were some Jews that even traveled all the way to Jerusalem to see what Jesus was doing. They went out of their way to check this out. And just notating things. Because we know at the end of the day they wanted to kill him. And we find this moment where the Pharisees, the teacher of the law, they're on Jesus. Because, well, they had this thing. Well, before you eat, you do this little ceremonial washing thing. But the disciples, they were hungry. Like, no. I don't care. Let's, I got to throw down right now. Like, let's go. You know, because when you're hungry, you're hungry. You don't care. You know what And the Pharisees right there, like, thought they were like, whoa, 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 hold up. Hey, Jesus, what's wrong with your guys? You who follow along, like, what's wrong? And Jesus like, oh, you're down on me. Okay, hold up yourself. Let me bring it back to you. What about you guys? What about you breaking the command of God for your traditions? And then he's like bold faith. I love Jesus. He's bold. Like, you hypocrites. Ouch. And he just goes in. But he wasn't done. All right. He lays them out. Then he says, hey. Then he calls the rest of the crowd. Hey, the rest of you guys, come on here. Look what he says next. And then Jesus called the crowd to him. Listen to me. Everyone understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. And after he left the crowd and into the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And he responds, are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person's heart is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these come from the inside and defile a person. He's like, you're down on me for not washing my hands. You're focused on the wrong things. It's not about clean hands. But it's about what is going on inside your heart. 
being jealous and being hypocrites. Like you guys are doing all these things, all these outwardly things. That's not true religion. True religion is this, my first point. True religion is about all your heart and not just playing the parts. It's seeking God, that's why we're here, to give all of our heart. And not just looking like we got it all together. And this is what Jesus is doing. He comes in, and what these guys had done, I mean, this whole thing, I mean, it was just a crazy thing. I mean, you literally would take like a, an eggshell of water and just put it over your hand like that and clean it and then do the other thing down. It wasn't that big of a deal, but they had done a lot of these, and they took it seriously. So much so, there was a story about a Jewish rabbi who was arrested by the Romans, and they would give him water, but he would never drink the water. Instead, he would actually use it to do it in a prescribed manner, right? And they had other, as the, as the scripture says, they, they would wash pots a certain way, they would wash pans a certain way. What they had started to do was this oral thing called Mishnah, right? And basically what that meant is they put a fence around the law. So what that meant was, like, God's word no more was just enough. They had to protect it. And so they started doing all these other traditions to protect God's word. What ended up happening was, you started finding a lot of people started to become very legalistic. Right? And, for example, this is how crazy it gets, okay? You couldn't look in a mirror. It was forbidden. Because if you looked in the mirror on the Sabbath and you saw a gray hair, you might be tempted to pull it out, thus you'd be breaking the Sabbath. I guess I would be okay on that one. Amen. You cannot wear your false teeth because if they fell out, when they fell on the ground, you'd have to pick them up. Therefore, you'd be working. Dang. Be fired up that you still have your teeth. Amen. And we read these things and we laugh, and it's so foolish how that can happen, such ma how crazy man-made rules can become. Are you with me? And the problem with their rules is they were not from God. They were from man. Right? And doesn't this still happen today? People tell you how to dress. They tell you how to eat. They even tell you how to worship, right? And they think that if it's from man, if it's from some guy who maybe has a doctorate degree, or if it's from your grandma, or if it's from your grandpa, if you're somebody of wisdom, well, then you got to listen to that. And you know, even though it's clear in the scriptures, you rather listen to man. And that's what Jesus is nailing. I mean, how many times have we seen that? You study the Bible with somebody, and you're showing them, and there it's so crystal clear as day. And they see it from themselves. But they rather listen to somebody else's voice. Somebody else's voice. When it's clear as day. Doesn't that happen so much today? Sadly. And what ends up happening, people's voice have become legalistic. They wind up becoming hypocrites, and as the scripture says, we read from Isaiah, their worship is in vain. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we just had a bunch of high school graduates, a college graduates, yes? Yeah. Amen? But how would you feel after four years, maybe five, amen? I, was, I went through school for six years. I was almost a doctor. But going to school that long, and at the end of that, the, the, the president goes like, hey, 
Thank you so much for, for finishing school and doing that. We super appreciate all your hard work. Thank you very much. We're not going to be handing out your degrees. It was all pointless. I know you paid the money. I know you spent the hours. How would you feel? Well, some of us, there'd be an uprising right there, right? It's the same thing with God. We can think we're true. We're going through all these things and all this stuff, but it's not based on God's word. At the end of the day, it's all in vain. You'll be ticked off when you don't get that degree, but how much more getting into heaven for your eternity? And that's why Jesus is not afraid to go right at these guys. You know, he was rebuking them for being hypocrites. That's what he said, right? And what that means, this word, hypocritus, uh, it means simply one who goes on, it's one who goes on to answer in a set dialogue or set conversation. That is to say, an actor. Not simply an actor on the stage, but one whose life is a piece of acting without any sincerity behind it all. To anyone whom religion is a legal thing, or anyone to whom religion means carrying out a certain external rules and regulations, anyone whom religion is entirely connected with the observation of a certain ritual and keeping of a certain number of taboos, in the end is bound to become, in a sense, a hypocrite. At the end of the day, what a hypocrite means, you look it up, it means one who wears a mask. And this hits me hard because my major, what it was in college, was an actor, theater arts. I know this all too well. I, I, I love the stage. I want to, you know, play the part. I can get immersed in the roles, right? We love movies and all that stuff, right? It's awesome. How people change and come into these, these uh, characters, right? It blows you away. But that same thing can happen in the church. Can it? You come in, you're here, you're looking good, and I see you. And you look great. You look awesome, Right? And the beauty about God's kingdom here, I mean, you can wear a suit if you want. You can wear whatever. I remember the first time Isaac Garcia came to church. I love Isaac. He's awesome. It's awesome. His parents are baptized. Amen. And I think he kind of knew we didn't matter how you dressed. I mean, this dude showed up in a T-shirt, cargo shorts, and flip-flops. All right. I'll never forget the first time that he, Jason met Isaac, right? Isaac went home, home to go see his family, right? <laughs> Jason was preaching that Sunday. Isaac comes back for church. He forgot his suit. And I think I had him doing something. Like, obviously not doing that. All he had was a suit jacket. And he, just, he came to church with just a suit jacket and shorts. <laughs> and I'm like, Jason, uh, yeah, this is Isaac. He's an awesome brother. <laughs> I'm serious. He's an awesome brother. important because we can say the lingo all day long. We can come up here, we can sing the songs. We can say EMC, GLC, D-Tree, Jason Dimitri, you know, ICCM. But if you're like the Pharisees, you're more concerned with clean hands than a clean heart, then, man, you got to check this right here, what Jesus is saying to us. I mean, this, this hits me. Because I remember growing up, going to church. I grew up in a professing Christian home, but there was a lot of duplicity. Even though we'd go to church every Sunday, much like this, we'd come in and 
the minister would do that, and there was a hug, all that stuff. And we'd sit in the back row because you want to be the first one to leave. I'm not down in the back row. But really, as time went on, I was just there just playing the part. Well, that's just what we did. That was just tradition. We went to church on Sunday, and hopefully we were going somewhere to eat afterwards. As I got older in my teen years, and I'm fired up to see what God is doing in teen ministry here. My heart was trying outward, look religious. Like I got it okay, but I was a predator. I was like, all right, where is the cute girls at? And I was scanning. And I'd go sit next to them. I'd, I'd go, and this is going to date myself here and how old I am. You know, I remember going to camping trips, but even concerts. And some of you might know this. Some of you older folks might know this. I'd go to, like, Michael W. Smith concerts. <laughs> Petra. Anybody Petra? All right. Maybe one person. All right. Ariel Schramm's with me. Let's go. All right. Amy Grant. All right. I'd go there, but my heart was so wicked. I was just like. Who can I hook up with at this concert? I'd go out to the preacher's daughter. I was your worst nightmare. I was there, but my heart was not really engaged. It wasn't until I got serious about God. It started studying the Bible. After years of destruction, after years of trying to, 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 just, to just basically deal with my heart that I didn't know it was hurting, that God had to humble me. And I knew, and it's, I think at the end of the day, like, you know you're fighting God, right? And he's got to work really hard. And I'm grateful that I humbled myself out that a friend of mine asked me to study the Bible. And in 2002, I got serious about studying the scriptures about, hey, it's not about being religious, man. True religion is about seeking all your heart. And I remember being challenged by the word of God and seeing, all right, this is the standard. And being blown away about it when it really meant to follow Jesus. On July 27th, I was baptized in 2002 for the forgiveness of my sins, and I never looked back. And for us, the call is not to do what verse 8, what they did is like, hey, you let go of the commands of God. And he goes on and says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God. He says, hey, this is what you got to do is you got to deal with what's going on in your heart. And for us Christians, this is important. I mean, he goes on, like, this is what comes out of a man's heart. Evil thoughts. Like, man, it starts there, doesn't it? Evil thoughts. I think as I go on in this lesson, some of you might have some evil thoughts about me. I hope not. Jesus knows, though. But he's talking about dealing with the heart. The Bible, you know, in the book of Proverbs alone, they knew exactly. They knew in Proverbs, like, it talks about the heart 74 times. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of of life. And so for us, the challenge is, hey, you would think that you would slap a religious patch on this, on our heart, that that's okay, but it's really not okay. I was reminded of this uh, little story about a preacher. There was a preacher, he had a friend who he worked with. This friend drove an old beat-up firebird. That thing, just like him, smoked like a chimney. And his friend was always trying to stop the smoking for himself. He even tried to start those patches, you know, those patches. And one day after they both got out of work during the parking lot, and he saw his friend with one of those nicotine patches on his car. And his friend says, hey, well, they're supposed to stop smoking, aren't they? And he was just messing around and having a good time with that. But his external efforts didn't really fix anything, the condition with the car. 
So what's the point? The same thing can be with us. We can have a religious outward appearance and appear like, okay, we got to put a patch on it. But if we're not dealing with the junk in our heart, then that's the issue. Just showing up is not enough. We got to engage God with everything we have. How do you do that? You got to get the word of God in your heart. Right? What does Hebrews 4.12 say? The word of God cuts like a knife, doesn't it? It cuts the heart. It judges the attitudes and thoughts of the heart. I want to challenge us this morning. If we come here this morning, if you come here with stuff in your heart, if you come here, you know you're not right with the Lord. If you've been caught up in the religiosity of things, just showing up to church on Sunday, going through the rigmarole, if you stopped engaging your heart, it's time to start getting the word of God in there. Cut that out so you can truly worship God with all of your heart. Are you with me? My second point, true religion is for all nations. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. This is my last point, and then I'm going to sit down. But now he goes on in Mark chapter 8 in verse 1. It says, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. And the disciples answered them, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. He had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks to them also, and the disciples picked, and then he told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. After the disciples picked up the seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, about 4,000 were present, and after he sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he went to the region of Del Manufa. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test them, and they asked him for a sign from heaven, and he, he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given him. And then he left them, got back in the boat, and crossed the other side. The Pharisees had forgotten to bring, or the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, is it because we don't have any bread? Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? You have eyes that fail to see, ears that fail to hear, and don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Uh, Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? The answer is seven. And they said, um, you still don't understand? I mean, it's such a moment. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, he feeds the 4,000. This is another feeding. Remember I said earlier, Mark chapter 3, he fed 5,000. Now there's another moment where he does another incredible miracle. And I never got this before. And we're talking about true religion for all nations. Remember, he's still on the east side. And they're traveling. And the Bible says that he's got these people traveling for three days. These are two different miracles. All right, let's remind us of, the, of these miracles. The feeding of the 5,000 took place in, in Galilee near Bethsaida on the west side. All right? The feeding of the 4,000 right here is in the Decapolis, the area on the east side of the Jordan River, all right? 
5,000, five loaves, two fish. What do we got right here? 4,000, seven loaves, and a few fish. The 5,000, how many basketfuls did they have over? 12. Right here, the 4,000, they got seven left over. Even the Greek word used for baskets in Mark 6 and 8 are different. The 5,000, Jesus was with them for one day. Right here, he's with them for three days. You with me? The 5,000 took place in the spring. This one right here is in the summertime. Amen? But perhaps the most interesting pertinent difference between the two is the feeding of the 5,000 was to predominantly Jewish people. All right? This congregation right here is predominantly Gentile. It's the reason why the writer, Mark, uses two different words for baskets right here. Are you with me? The first one is a Greek word for a small Jewish hand basket. The second one is a Greek pampered size basket. All right? The word of God is making a distinction between these two separate events. What is it? Also, he says in the 5,000, hey, these guys are sheep without a shepherd. Right here, he says for the 4,000, these guys have long been without food. What this is showing, these two miracles, God's showing his fairness and having a heart for all people. Does that fire you up this morning? He just got done abolishing the, the standard and, making, and claiming all food is clean. Right after that, he extends mercy on a Gentile woman who is possessed by demons at the reluctance of his disciples. Both these miracles were done on the same side of the Sea of Galilee. See, you had, Jew, you had Jews following Jesus from the west and Gentiles coming from the east. And why a lot of them probably came even from that side, because remember, in the Decapolis, who went back to the Decapolis? The demoniac legion, right? And he was probably telling everybody, you got to see this Jesus. Because you had people coming out in droves, coming out to see Jesus. This rich meaning in this account means that Jesus is the bread of life for all nations. Are you with me? They had followed him for three days. And they had long been without food. But they were so consumed by what they were seeing Jesus do. What they were getting from Jesus was way more valuable than food. And don't we know the scripture in Amos 8 and verse 11 says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I'll send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And isn't this the time that we live in? That there's a hunger, there's a hunger that, oh, and so many, even like myself, is trying to fill that up with something else. Trying to fill that satisfaction. Are you with me? You know, what did we seek it for in love? We thought, okay, the next relationship's going to do it. We thought, if, okay, if I just climb the ladder in my job and get more status, if I get a home, if I get a bigger home, if I get a boat, if I have a kid, if I have more kids. And it goes on and on. It's never, it's, it's never in anything. Are you with me right here? We think that drugs, we think that impurity is going to fill that up. But nothing fills that up, that hunger, than like the word of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in his word in John 6, 35, if we come to him, we'll never go hungry. If you're our guest here this morning, you're not here by chance. God is speaking to you. And you know that. 
You know how I know that? Because you wouldn't be here. If you didn't want to hear what the Lord has to say to you. And he's calling you. And it's time to surrender. It's time to embrace his word. It's time to get the word in your heart. Study it out. See what God has told you to do. And like we're going to see in a little bit, make the same decision, I believe, with Athena, right? Make that same decision and get baptized for the deed as a sin and come into the kingdom of God. This is what we're fighting for, isn't it? This is what drives us every single day. To hold out the true bread of life. And I love it. We, I think we can relate to the disciples. The disciples doubted like, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. I don't know if we can feed these guys. But Jesus was testing their faith, wasn't he? In the same way, I think we can see the call to go all nations. And, and we're challenged like, man, do we really believe that God's going to provide? Are you with me? Do we really believe that the word of God can satisfy? Well, God's word, get it done. I tell you, look around. God's word is getting it done. Are you with me? But in verse 4, it says, hey, they were in a remote place. And then we can be in that situation. You know, you can be in that desolate, remote place. Like, God, oh, my gosh, my Bible talk, my people, my marriage, Lord, my family, Lord. Lord, my finances, they are desolate, Lord. I am in a remote place financially, Lord. Right? And you're caught with seven, you know, seven loaves, five loaves, and maybe a few fish. You're like, that's all I got. But you have no idea that God is setting you up for a miracle. Because if it relied on your power, then who would get the glory? Are you with me right here? And they were struggling with meeting the needs of the people. Right? And they're trying to, you know, they're trying to find a way to get out of there. Like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. What do we do? And Jesus is like, you know what to do. All right, let's go. And yet, I think we've got to believe this morning when we give and we believe and we keep going, the Lord always replenishes and multiplies, does he not? Always. Are you with me right here? And I just got to lift up the Sacramento City International Christian Church. I'm so proud of this church. It is sold out disciples. And they, we've been going after it. I mean, the Lord has blessed it in so many amazing baptisms and miracles. It's incredible. We're just fighting hard to raise the money to win the world. Because it does take two things, people and money. But I'm so proud. I mean, we've gone out, and one of the things that we do is called tagging. We go out and ask for donations, right? And for the longest time, for the last couple of years, I've struggled with San Francisco. trying to compare you're not supposed to compare but when you guys go out tagging for like two hours you raise like 1500 bucks 1200 bucks in like two hours we go out there for like a couple hours we're like come back and we come back with like 300 like it's just not fair and i love how jason would joke with me hey dude don't call evil that which is good i appreciate that i'm not mad at that but i'm so proud i mean just believing that the lord is going to move i mean this past season it's been awesome the saints have been really going after it lining up for battle almost every weekend and we've gone from just doing like six hundred dollars a weekend now we're raising in twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a weekend all for the salvation of the world 
They're so fired up to do it. You know, and I got to lift up these guys there. I mean, you talk about pushing yourself spiritually, but also physically for the Salvation World. I mean, I got to lift up Victor, Alexis, Emily, Isaac, James, Jose, Lily, Matthew Watts, Ryan, Savon, Shay, and Lisa, who all have decided to run a half marathon and a marathon to raise money for the Lord. They're running next week and pray for them. <laughs> but I appreciate their hearts, knowing their race that they're running for. And God's going to bless that heart in a great, great way. And I, I challenge us, just like Jesus said right here, to stay in that constant state of remembrance. In verse 18, he says, you have eyes that fail to see, ears that fail to hear. Don't you understand? And don't you remember? Referring to what happened Two chapters earlier in the feeding of the 5,000. Guys, like I did it once with a lesser group. I can do it again. And it's a funny thing how we forget what God has done. Are you there, right? We forget the miracles. We're just fickle that way, right? And, and, I, and I, I, it's awesome to me to see what God has done in this Samson Crusoe book. I remember about five years ago coming here and being with JC and Sarah. I remember just coming into a church of 57. One full-time staff. I remember some of the names of just that one Bible talk on SF State. And to see what God has done now, five years later. To see now there are full-time couples in every single region. Isn't that awesome? We got Silicon Valley going. And in just a little while, Hayward's going to be sent out. Isn't that incredible? And when you planted a sold-out church in Sacramento that is thriving, it's incredible. You supplied the money and the people to get it done. I remember all those tagging events. Hot Friday night, 20 times. Driving up from San Jose every night, I had to be at work. We got, I got home late at midnight, I had to go work at Starbucks the next day at 4.30 in the morning. But I was fired up to do it. And you want to know why I did it? Look around you to see the Sacramento disciples, that's why. And Lord willing, we're going to do the same thing with the Clarks and going to Indianapolis, Indiana. God is getting it done through you, church, because you believe that true religion is for all nations. Because you believe that the only thing that can satisfy is Jesus and his word. Are you with me? I want to finish with the story this past year of uh, an incredible baptism. Leading to another one. And uh, it's our dear sister, Lisa. I know where Lisa's at. Lisa, she's a, an international student that came to Sacramento uh, for a year. And she was met at the beginning of this year on campus in the fall semester. Victor, actually at the end of one of our campaigns, was out in the quad studying the Bible with another guy. And Lisa had just been happened to be walking by saw the Bible out on the table, and I always challenge the disciples, get the Bible out, put the phone away. Right? Lisa walks by, sees the Bible open, approaches Victor, right? He gets a number, Lisa starts coming around, starts studying the Bible, and on October 21st, at the church camping trip, she was baptized into Christ. But Lisa, being a sold-out disciple, and she is from Paris, France, 
knows, all right, now i got a great purpose. Now I know that true religion is for all nations. Well, she reaches out to another international student who came at the same time. And her name was Chanel Kink, who came from the U.K. Chanel, at this semester, last semester in spring, started coming around. And if you met this sister, this girl, she's incredible. She's a light. And she started coming around, started immersing herself in the fellowship. She started to begin to study the Bible. And yet she came over here, and the miraculous thing about her, she came over here from the U.K. not really believing in God. You know, over there, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of atheists over there. They don't really have a, a strong faith in the Lord. But her stories are powerful, but also just seeing God choosing the times and places for people to meet. It's another good example because to see God's heart, that he's going to do anything and everything to move somebody's heart so they'll come into a true relationship with him and see the truth. See, even though she came over here as an exchange student, she really overcame over here to leave the situation that she was in. See, Chanel was going to a school, not at Oxford, but near Oxford, in Oxford. And while she was going to school, her roommates started to bully her every single day. Now, if you met Chanel, you would see Chanel, like this girl is super cool <laughs> and wicked talented, wicked smart. I mean, she does jujitsu, she plays the drums, she can beatbox, she can sing. She just started getting into parkour just because it was fun. And one try, she did a flip uh, on the other side, just going up a wall, like Chris Laster did at one time a couple years ago. <laughs> and like, I mean, so you're like, why would you bully this girl? But at some point, she just couldn't take anymore. And she's like, all right, I got to get out of this situation. I got to get the furthest away from my situation. The last thing she wanted to do was come to the United States. Right? That was the last place. But she decided, like, okay, I got to go on the exchange program. All right, let me go to the United States. She had two days to finish the application, to get everything in. She got it in. She got accepted, hopped on a plane, and of all places, ends up in Sacramento, going to Sac State, of all places, coming from the U.K., right? But it's totally God. But little did she know that the previous semester, during that same time, coming on that same trip over there, Lisa would be happening come over there, she would get baptized the previous semester and wind up reaching out to Chanel. But even though Chanel came over here not really believing in God, what was really going on, she was just mad at God. She was mad at God of what had happened to her, her in her life and just the pain that she had to experience growing up. And she just had a hard time believing that God would really allow that to happen. And yet she tried to fill herself up with these relationships, these friendships, all these things. But inwardly, she just didn't really know the word of God. But God had humbled her. Got on a plane, sent her to Sacramento, brought her into the kingdom family, studied the Bible on April 7th. So she had to make some tough decisions. Breaking up a boyfriend, taking a stand with her family on April 7th. Chanel became your sister in Christ. She's so fired up after searching these different things and thinking that that would fulfill her and bring her satisfaction. Now she's so in love with the kingdom. We just had a going away party for her this last Sunday. Now it's awesome to send her now back to the United Kingdom, but truly united in God's kingdom. Are you with me right here? I'm fired up as a movement. Now we can send our sister over to our sister church in London 
But also here in about a week, we're going to send our sister Lisa back to Paris, France. And now we have two international students, sold out disciples, bringing true religion to all nations. So in closing, what is this all about? It's about winning the world. It's about being a people, seeking God with all our heart and getting the job done. Are you with me? It's about living out that heart in 1 Timothy 2 where God's heart is that, that the whole world will come to a knowledge of the truth and so be saved. There's so many other miracle stories like Chanel and Lisa's waiting to happen. And that's where it's about hungry souls to hear the word of God. Are you with me? But it's going to be a people like this room right here, practicing true religion and giving all of our heart. Are you with me? And I thought maybe you're visual and you need a visual illustration. And what is that like? Well, the NBA Finals are happening, right? The Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, right? Do I have any Warrior fans up in here? All right. Warrior fans? Fired up? Fired up? Fired up? NBA fans, you fired up to see the Warriors win the championship? You're sold out about it? I mean, it's true in your heart that they're going to win. I mean, you sport the gear. You're, you're enthusiastic about it. So fired up. And you can feel the excitement in the Oracle Arena. What is it underneath? what's really going on, that this is really what's going on. See, we can come here, we can sing the songs, we can fire it up, we can know the studies, but what's really going on on the inside? Is it really true? Are we really warriors for the Lord? The only place being a blazer where you don't want to be is being blazed for eternity. So how do you deal with that? Well, you got to deal with your heart. You got to get it on out. You got to throw it away. You got to throw off anything that would hinder and be clothed with Christ. Are you with me? And really be a true warrior for the Lord. Why? I want to challenge this. Let's walk out of this room. Let's slam dunk our special missions for the salvation of the world. Let's splash some future brothers and sisters in the waters of baptism. Let's give all our heart. Let's win this world and this generation. I love you very much.